Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. I'm excited to announce that we just launched my new book, The Fasting Transformation, a functional guide to burn fat, heal your body, and transform your life with intermittent and extended fasting. If you've been listening to this podcast for any period of time, you know that I'm a huge advocate of fasting. And in this book, I take you on a journey to help you understand how fasting helps balance your blood sugar and improve your insulin sensitivity, how it shuts down inflammation in the body, how it optimizes your hormones, turns on fat burning, and activates stem cells for deep cellular healing. Guys, I go through how fasting, I go through all the best science and research on intermittent and extended fasting and how to utilize it to help prevent or even heal from cancer, autoimmune conditions, digestive disorders, and neurodegenerative conditions like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Guys, the book goes over all the various research and practical applications for daily intermittent fasting, partial fasting, and extended fasting. This book is designed to help inspire and empower you to embrace a fasting lifestyle while also enjoying tasty and healthy foods at the right time to improve your metabolic flexibility and energy efficiency so you can burn fat for fuel and have all day energy. You are gonna love this book, so check it out. You can get it on amazon.com. We also have a website, drjockers.net forward slash fasting transformation. That's drjockers.net forward slash fasting transformation. You can learn more about it. And of course, you can pick the book up on Amazon. You're going to love it. Thanks so much, guys. So this interview is a part of a series I did called the Fasting Transformation Summit. And in this summit, I interviewed the top experts in the world when it comes to intermittent and extended fasting and autophagy and self-healing. Now, these interviews were originally done in 2019, but the information is extremely relevant today. And this expert, as you will see, really has a great knowledge of this topic and will give you guys so much value. Now, if you wouldn't mind just taking a moment and leaving us a five-star review, your reviews help us reach more people and impact more lives with this podcast. And take a moment and subscribe to our channel. That way you get instant notification every time we put up a new podcast. Thanks so much for doing that. And I'm honored to share this information with you guys. Welcome everybody to the Fasting Transformation Summit, where we are uncovering the most ancient, inexpensive, and powerful healing strategy known to mankind. We are talking about fasting, and I'm your host, Dr. David Jockers, 
And in today's interview, I'm really going to be talking to women who are going through menopause, maybe perimenopause, this period of time before menopause, or you know, perhaps you're younger and you're thinking you've heard horror stories about menopause um, and you want to be prepared. We're going to be speaking directly to you. And, and perhaps you're a man out there and maybe you're married to a woman going through menopause. This is going to be extremely beneficial for you. Uh, just how, how to understand what menopause is. We're going to talk about basically what happens with our female hormones during this period of time of life and lifestyle strategies that can help ease symptoms and help improve this, this, life, tran this life transition um, as you get older and, and have this kind of change up in your hormones. Of course, we're going to cover how fasting can play a role in that and best strategies when it comes to fasting. So because this topic was so important, I reached out to my good friend and literally world expert in this topic, Dr. Marcel Pick. And, and Dr. Marcel co-founded the world-renowned Women to Women Clinic in 1983 with the vision of not only treat illness, but also help support her patients in proactively making healthier choices to prevent disease. She successfully treated thousands of individuals through her unique approach to wellness. And then in 2001, Marcel created MarcelPick.com, which is a great website that you can go check out. And her goal is to be able to reach, inspire, and educate even more women worldwide. Her website offers informative articles on women's health issues and at-home solutions to some of the most troublesome symptoms they experience today. Marcel also discovered functional medicine very early. She was an early adopter in this functional medicine movement and was honored to be one of the first to be certified as a functional medicine practitioner. She's written a bunch of books, including The Core Balance Diet, Is It Me or My Adrenals? And Is It Me or My Hormones? Great, great titles, by the way. And uh, so, you know, these books have been, been read by millions of people around the world and made an incredible impact on helping women take back control of their health. So Dr. Marcel, thanks so much for joining us here on the Fasting Transformation Summit. Thanks for having me. I feel like I have a lot of information to share and I can't wait to get started. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited. You know, we talked and I wasn't sure what your experience with, was, with, was, with fasting was. Um, and you let me know how this is something that you practice and something that you recommend. And, and so I was really excited to bring you on this summit so we can dive deep into menopause and obviously talk about fasting and how that can impact it. So let's start with your story, though, at first and how you really got into the natural health movement. Sure. So um, probably you don't even know this. I was born in Australia. I grew up in the outback and I spent a lot of my time with the Aborigines in the Aboriginal caves. Hmm. So from a very early age, I was surrounded by natural and natural medicine and then came to America when I was 11 um, after having been exposed to no cars. We didn't have a toilet. I didn't flush a toilet until I was 11. So my experience was really different when we came to America. And my parents are both Holocaust survivors. They were from Europe. So we never did a lot of the conventional ways of eating to begin with. And from a year, young time, I knew that I was very interested in going into alternative medicine. I went to a program with Harvard Medical School. I'm a nurse practitioner, actually, and uh, Boston College because I knew then I needed to have the standard how to do research, look at double-blind placebo-controlled studies, and also understand where does the notion of nutrient come into play. 
And we started Women to Women in 1985 before anybody was doing any alternative medicine. We were the first all-women practice in the state of Maine. No one had done functional medicine or anything like it in the state of Maine. And we were equal partners, MDs and nurse practitioners. So we, I've been on this trail for a long time, understanding that if we educate women in particular about their biochemistry and their health and start to understand what's upstream we can have people be healthy no matter what their age. And our medical system now says many times, here's the drug, it'll get you better. Well, it doesn't get you better. It takes the symptoms away and oftentimes makes worse symptoms on the other side. So I'm passionate about this. I love what I do. And my goal is to change as many women's lives as I can with information, data, and also the supportive things like intermittent fasting. Yeah, and you're definitely making a huge impact with your books, your website, and everything that you're doing. So let's talk about menopause. What is menopause? What's happening with the female hormones during that stage? What kind of symptoms do many women experience as they go through menopause? You know, it's interesting, uh, David. Many years ago, if you had come to me as a patient, the symptoms would have been hot flashes, night sweats, getting some weight. What I see now more than ever before is anxiety, palpitations, abnormal weight gain, and absolute frustration with their body. Many times they'll come in and say, my body's deceiving me. What the hell happened? I feel like a train wreck. I'm depressed. I can't sleep. I've got hot flashes. I don't have a sex drive anymore. I feel like I'm all dried up. What the hell has happened? And you know, if we go back for so many women, adrenals play a huge part in the functionality of what's going on with our hormones. I think a lot of people don't understand that. And if we just look at basic biochemistry, cholesterol is one of the most important hormones to help our sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and DHEA. But if we have too much stress for too long, it makes cortisol because we can't live without it. So our hormones become very dysregulated. And when we have adrenal issues, which is too much stress, we women tend to multitask. We're great at it, but at some point that rubber band breaks because we can't do it. Our hormones suffer greatly and our thyroid suffers from adrenal dysfunction. We have autoimmune disorders. We have immune issues, digestive issues. You know, it goes on and on. So as we correct the adrenals, the hormones become more balanced. And menopause is a journey of self-discovery. It's a psychological journey as well for women. Who am I? What am I going to do with the second half of my life and how do I get there? So we have that on top of all the hormonal dysregulation and the adrenal issues. And then we have symptoms galore that people are told are just part of the deal. And I'm here to tell you it is absolutely not true. We do not have to feel that way, but sometimes everybody's a little different. We have to regulate things in a different way and it depends on what's going on for that person. And diet is gigantic information. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what kind of mistakes are people making when it comes to their diet and their lifestyle and maybe setting them up for problems when it comes to the transition into menopause? So what a lot of people don't understand is we have three of the major hormones that actually regulate hormones as well, and that's insulin which comes very much from the food that we're eating. So if we have a very high-carb diet, high sugar, that's going to cause very significant dysregulation with the hormones. And we have adrenaline and cortisol. So those are three major hormones. Two are related to stress. And the third is related to the food that we're eating. So as we make those adjustments and changes, just changing our diet will also help greatly with hormone regulation. And a lot of people don't understand that because it's very hard to find in the literature. But if you, you know, I've had a practice for 33 years and consistently 
changing the diet, getting the carb load down, having breakfast, snack, and lunch. And then many times I'll do intermittent fasting and not have anything after eight o'clock the night before until lunchtime and perhaps some MCT oil and a coffee. That really helps stabilize um, insulin that then helps stabilize the hormone levels. So just changing your diet, believe it or not, can help with some of the symptoms of menopause and also then addressing adrenal dysfunction too. Yeah, because when you take in, when you, you consume carbs or anything really that spikes insulin, an insulin spike is also going to cause an estrogen spike. And of course, you know, with women as they go through menopause, they have lower levels of estrogen, but also lower levels of progesterone, right? And they have this imbalance where estrogen goes up from an insulin spike, and that can cause a lot of these symptoms. Is that correct? That is true. And what's kind of the misnomer oftentimes is if people have a lot of body fat, their estrogen levels are actually higher. And mm. remember, about the cholesterol, the cortisol, what happens is there's an enzyme that gets blocked. It's actually called 1720 lyase. And when that gets blocked, it prevents progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, and DHEA. The biggest issue it causes is progesterone. So you have that discrepancy between estrogen and progesterone. And that's when people are what they call estrogen dominant. And we see that yeah. very often. It's by changing the diet and calming the adrenal system and then by cutting back on carbohydrates, it makes a significant difference. And I've been doing this for 33 years. I mean, I cut back on carbs for many, many people for a long time. And then when you add the intermittent fasting in there, it really stabilizes things in a magnificent way. And many people have hot flashes because of the up and down curve of the hormones. It's not that their estrogen's low, it's spiking and then going down and spiking wow. and going down. So dietary changes as well as dealing with the adrenals very much helps stabilize. And for some women, when I say to them, look, on the other side of menopause, it's awesome because your hormones are pretty steady. You don't have the ups and downs anymore. You're not craving sweets. You don't have to go to sleep. You're not tired. It's stable. How nice is that? Yeah. And, and really that menopausal transition is, it's a stressor on the body because the body's got to readapt to this lower level of hormone. And so obviously that's a stressor. And then, you know, you've got all the other things in life that are causing stress and that's where women can be overwhelmed. And so I know you've been touching a lot on adrenals. So what are things that women can do to help support their adrenals? Um, you know, we talked a little bit about diet, maybe you can go into more detail on that as well as um, just lifestyle things people can do to support their adrenals through this stage. Absolutely. So um, even just taking a little time out, you know, many times women are multitasking so much they have no time for themselves. Adding some nutrients, cordyceps, rhodiola, ashwagandha, astragalus, that can be very helpful for the adrenals as well. But also saying no. You know, for many women, it's mm. about how do I learn to say no? I don't have to do this today. I can wait till tomorrow. And understanding perhaps our perfectionism. All of those places are so important for women as well. And then taking time to prepare their food. You know, it's something that they take care of everybody else. They take care of the kids, their partner, their friends, their business, blah, blah, blah. So taking time to prepare food. Oftentimes I'll suggest women cook for themselves on Sundays and make a couple of extra meals. Or when they're cooking, make several suppers so that they've got things in the freezer if they're really busy. So that food is, becomes the most powerful thing. It's the most powerful drug we have. We yeah. Have so if we're conscious of what we're eating, it can transform our health in a week. It doesn't mm. take at all. Yeah. So yes, adrenals are hugely important, but within that is also diet and also being mindful, doing some emotional freedom techniques, some tapping, mm. 
two minutes of meditation twice a day. You know, you're connecting up with spirit, being outside, putting your feet on the ground, mm. making sure you have daylight, having a plant in your office, breathing, seven, 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 breathing, you know, inhale for seven, hold for seven, out for seven, twice a day, having a, a little thing on your phone. But it's remembering to do this. And I also suggest that people take electronic Sabbaths, you know, that mm. they sabbaticals from the electronics they turn them off at five o'clock several days a week or they don't even put them on a couple of times a week because we've become so addicted to emails and texts and computers and tv and the news all of which can cause disruption biochemically in the body yeah absolutely i mean those are great tips now how about sleep because obviously you know sleep plays such a critical role in our body's ability to adapt and recover from stress yeah. But a lot of women, especially as they're going through menopause, have hot flashes at night while they're trying to sleep, and it really impacts their ability to sleep well. So what, what kind of suggestions do you have there? There's a, um, sleep is incredibly important, and I teach for the Institute of Functional Medicine. I'm always asking the audience, you know, how many people in the audience are sleeping eight hours and no hands go up? How about seven? How about six? How about five? So many people are sleep deprived. And a lot of times when you have high cortisol levels at night, if we add something like phosphatidylserine or something like that, it can very much normalize cortisol so you can sleep again. And of course, addressing the hot flashes makes a big difference as well. But that's hugely important. And getting good quality sleep, there's nothing like it, David. Seriously. Mm. I mean, you have to get sleep and also eat well. So those are two huge things that you have to do anyway. So why not do more of it? Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, blood sugar plays a huge role. So all the things you've been talking about, that's going to play a really big role in your ability to sleep well. I also find that a lot of people are eating dinner late at night, which can certainly impact the body's ability to get a good deep sleep and throw off blood sugar um, and just get the quality deep sleep that they need too. So I think that can be a big factor. Hands down. Yeah. And you know, a lot of times people are eating the wrong foods at night, you know, yeah. desserts or they're having their wine or whatever, all of which is fine. That's not that we don't want to do that periodically. But most of the time, what I suggest is that you be much more mindful, of mm. especially at supper time, because our bodies yeah. digest that as we're sleeping. And then you're not going to get that quality sleep that you need to have at night. And also making sure that your mind is clear, that you're yeah. able to be in a peaceful place to sleep, you know? If you're a perfectionist, finding ways, have sometimes for some of my patients, I'll have them have a pad by their bedside and a pen. And if they wake up in the middle of the night, they write it down and they have some kind of twilight, not a bright light. So they then can go back to sleep instead of worrying all the time or thinking all the time when they wake up. Yeah, that's a great idea. Absolutely. Let's talk about fasting. I know you've mentioned fasting and how that can play a role. So let's talk about how it impacts our hormones. So we know that um, when you're eating, we've got the spikes of the insulin level, as we talked about, and we also then you put those two together with stress. So the more sugar you're having, the more food that your body's trying to digest, it's going to greatly impact our hormones because the three major hormones, as I mentioned, are adrenaline, cortisol, and insulin. So as you then become much more uh, aware of not having food, so that you have episodes of time that you don't have food in your system, the body's able to actually stabilize things hormonally as well, and it makes a gigantic difference. For those people that have blood sugar issues, many times they'll ask me, well, what will it do to my blood sugar? I can't possibly be without food. And the reality is most people, when they start cutting back on carbohydrates and they start seeing for themselves what their biochemistry does is they can easily do it and they actually feel better. 
So it has yeah. a gigantic impact physiologically on many different ways. Now, the reality is we're all different. So there are some people that can do the, the eight-hour, the six-hour fast. Not everyone can do it. But most people, when I ask them to stop and not have breakfast, they're able to do that. And I'll increase the length of time. So they might have breakfast at 10, then it might be 11, then it might be 12. They might have coffee that they still enjoy and have the MCT oil in it, but also stabilizes blood sugars as well and increases metabolic function. Hey, I just wanted to take a moment and tell you about a new product that I've been taking every single morning. It's from our friends over at Paleo Valley. It's called Neuro Effect. And it is a neuro supportive blend of eight full spectrum mushroom extracts and whole coffee fruit extract. It's designed to help boost up brain-derived neurotropic factor, BDNF, which is like miracle grow for your brain cells. It has got lion's mane mushroom, well-renowned for its effect on the brain. It's got reishi mushroom, which is phenomenal for your immune system. It also helps with calming your brain and helping you sleep more effectively. It has got shaga, as well as cordyceps in there, which are phenomenal for energy and for mental clarity. It also has turkey tail mushroom and maitake, which are amazing for your immune system as well. So this product also has a whole fruit, has whole coffee fruit extract, only two milligrams of caffeine, but whole coffee fruit extract actually boosts your BDNF levels 4.3 times greater than if you were actually drinking coffee itself. I mean, we all know that coffee helps improve your energy or mental clarity, but it's the whole organic coffee fruit extract that has the most powerful effect on your brain without the downside of caffeine. That's what you get in this neuro effect product. So I've been taking this on a regular basis to support my brain health, my immune system. I take it in the morning and you can try it now too. I've negotiated with Paleo Valley to make sure that you guys get 15% off this product. It's called Neuro Effect. You can find it at paleovalley.com. Use the coupon code JOCKERS to get 15% off today. Yeah, I think that's great. I, I, a big analogy that I'll use with people is I tell them fasting is kind of like exercise. So if you're sedentary, if you're not exercising, training your body, and you were to go out and, in a sense, go and try to lift weights with a personal trainer, you are going to suffer, right? You're going to be in pain. You're not going to feel good. And you're going to, if you were to basically think about just exercise as a whole based on that one experience, you would never want to train again, right? You'd be like, this is the most painful thing in the world. However, we know we're conditioned in our society to understand that our body gets stronger through stress when it comes to exercise, that you know, you've got to train, adapt, recover, and then train again. And so if we do that over several weeks, we, we experience the benefits there. It's really it's kind of the same thing with fasting. It's, could, it may be very uncomfortable in the beginning, right? And you don't want to overdo it, just like you wouldn't want to overdo it in the gym. You want to kind of take small steps but you're going to get better at it. Your body's going to get stronger. You're going to develop that fasting muscle. And in a few weeks, you're going to notice, hey, it's really not that hard. I can go 14, 16 hours between my dinner and my, you know, my first meal. It's really not that bad. I actually feel better when I do it on a regular basis. And so, um, so if we take go in with that mentality, we're going to have a lot better experience. Our experience is going to match our expectations. And, uh, we'll be able to, uh, to develop the fasting muscle appropriately. And so how do you like to start with fasting? So when you start bringing that up, 
what, what's your initial goal? Is it like 12 hours between your last meal, and your first meal, 14? Where, where do you like to start? So, you know, David, it depends on who they are. Yeah. It's a very different in terms of Marcel. I can't possibly. I always have dinner at nine. And then I say, well, let's try having your lunch maybe at, you know, 11 and see if we can kind of change the number of hours. And I also tell them, because the research is pretty compelling, if we look at mice studies in particular, in terms of aging, we know that less calories and the fasting plays a gigantic role again with mm what we know for people to actually have longer lives. So I start with the education about that because so many women come in saying, you know, how do I live well into my whatever, 70s, 80s, 90s, 100s? And then I have a buy-in from them. And then we start talking about, okay, so can we cut our dinner perhaps back to eight o'clock or seven o'clock or six o'clock? And then let's see, just drinking more water or having a cup of tea. And then in the morning, maybe we can have lunch at 10 and then 11, then 12. So they find that it becomes easy for them. And then I have those patients that say, look, I'll just do what you tell me. Just tell me where I start. Okay, dinner at six or seven and let's not have lunch until noon the next day. And oftentimes they come back saying, I feel great. I'm going to start doing it Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And that sounds great to me. Yeah, I think that's, that's great. So you're, you're personalizing it, individualizing it for the individual uh, which is really what functional medicine is all about, kind of figuring out where people need to, to start. I know for me, I always try to say, and I call it the simple fast, because I really think it is simple, and it's just really a mindset more than anything, where you take 12 hours between your last meal and your first meal. So if you finish dinner at 6 o'clock, you would need till 6 o'clock in the morning uh, the next day. And I think it's very you know, doable. You know, if the individual eats dinner late and they finish at 8 o'clock, 8 a.m. in the morning, and then you start your day, and your goal is to drink 16 ounces of good filtered water, maybe herbal tea if you wanted that, before you ever think about any sort of food, right? And if you say, okay, I'm going to drink 16 ounces of water before I think about food, oftentimes it's going to take you an hour or two at least to drink that 16 ounces, and you also suppress your hunger hormone ghrelin uh, by just basically putting something in your stomach, which makes you feel less hungry. The water uh, helps with energy production. And if you're feeling just a little bit down, you can also add a little bit of salt, just like a little pinch of salt. And um, you should immediately notice an improvement in your energy levels. And so I find that when women start to do this, take on this mentality and this practice, they realize, hey, you know, it's really not that hard. I can actually do 12 hours easy, actually. I think I can, I can mature up to maybe 14 hours, right? And then possibly even up to 16 and 18 hours. And, you know, now, now we're off to the intermittent fasting lifestyle. And so what are some of the most common mistakes, though, that you see women making when it comes to intermittent fasting? You know, I think a lot of times people get scared. And so they're going to have this big meal at night and they have more carbs and they might have more sugar. And it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, that's not what we're doing here. We need to cut back on that because then they go really hungry in the morning. So if they are more mindful of the last meal, and I always say to them, you know, kind of look at a plate and think of half of it being lots of colorful, colorful vegetables, a quarter of it being, you know, protein and a quarter of it being uh, fats and carbohydrates, it's going to be much better for you. And so many of, I, I have a weight loss program and I use a homeopathic remedy for them. And most of them don't have breakfast at all anymore on the other side of this. So they have their last meal at six or seven and they don't eat anything until lunchtime very, very comfortably. So they've kind of adjusted to this new lifestyle. Blood sugars are staying stable and they feel fantastic. So all, everybody's a little bit different though. You know, some people really want to have breakfast, in which case then it's a 12 hour, 14 hour fast. 
And the last meal or that day before is going to be really important because the more processed foods we use, the more sugar that we have in the diet, the more we're going to be starving and we're not going to be able to follow through. So it's really changing eating habits, being mindful of no processed. If it can stay on the counter for four hours it's probably, or four days, it's probably not something you want to have in your body anyway. Yeah, that's great. You know, another big thing, a big mistake that I'll see is, you know, a woman will be like, okay, I'm going to finish my dinner at seven o'clock and I'm not going to eat after that. But then they end up working late at night or like watching TV late. And it's like all of a sudden it's like 11 or 12 and they get this extra cortisol spike, which is going to impact their blood sugar. And now they have the munchies and they're like, I've got to eat something. I can't go to sleep like this. I've got to eat something. So that's another common mistake that I'll see. Uh, so really kind of dialing in your sleep habits uh, is huge. And usually if you are doing stimulating activities after like 9, 9.30 at night, you're going to get a, a big jump in your cortisol, right? Because your body's got to readapt. Normally cortisol is going down. Your body's like, oh, for whatever reason, I, I need more cortisol because I need to survive. I need to produce energy here. And uh, it, it bumps it up. So like my goal is if I'm working late, I have to be off my computer by nine, like just out of, you know, not having electronics around. You talked about having a timer, you know, turning off electronics. I think it's just so powerful. And, and, and so many women, you know, because it feels good. Like we work hard all day and we want entertainment. So we want to watch Netflix or, you know, look at our social media and look at what everybody else in our life is, is doing. And that again, can be stimulating and, uh, and keep us up and obviously impact menopausal hormones. Are you seeing that too? Oh my God. Absolutely. And I, I think the biggest thing I see, cause I see only women in my practice is that um, it, it's hard to kind of know that all of this makes a difference. And I think a yeah. lot of people are unaware that if you're on your computer and you're watching news and you're looking at Florence and Oh my God, all these things, all of those things increase your cortisol. In addition to that, which changes your appetite, which increases your frustration about, Oh my God, look at all this devastation. What am I going to do? So it's being aware of what your limits are and also where are the places you can absolutely stop. For some people, I believe it or not, I say to them, don't watch the news. If you can't, you know, if you can't go and do volunteer work and that's really in your heart, then don't watch it at this point. You know, have other avenues for yourself or turn your computer off by nine o'clock or seven o'clock or five o'clock or turn off your cell phone. You know, as long as all your kids are fine and no one gets a hold of you, whatever it is that's stimulating you is going to be an important part because the goal of this is success. That we want our patients to be really healthier and happier and have great success and not to feel, I tried it and it didn't work. And again, for me, it's a real individual approach as to, you know, how much time can we do? How, how long do you think you can fast? And how do we begin to change your diet so the food is all natural? It's made by you. It's not processed. And how do you learn about, you know, the foods that are most important from the environmental working group to have organically? Let's start there and then incorporate fasting in because it does make a huge difference with aging. There's no question about it. We know that and we have known that scientifically for a long time. And fasting is a part of it. Yeah, for sure. And so you've been talking about food. What are your top, let's say like your top five foods that women with uh, going through menopause should have in their diet, as long as, again, they don't have an immune sensitivity to these foods, which can be personalized, but let's just say they don't. Uh, what are the top five foods that you would say that they should definitely um, Vegetables is a big category. Mm-hmm. You know, 
color, the better. Um, I would also do protein sources. You know, it gets a little harder for some people to want to be vegetarian, but it's still possible to do that as well. And then also, if you're going to be doing things like sweet potato or some of the yellower foods, and I always talk about the rainbow of colors on a plate. I kind of always divide my plate for people so that they know what to be having. And I'm not a big fan of lots of pastas and things like that because I think it really does people in. And many of my patients don't have a stopgap for, you know, they have a big bowl of pasta and that doesn't do really well. Yeah. Would be fruits and vegetables, and the fruits, from my perspective, would be lower in terms of the glycemic load. So it would be berries, it would be um, raspberries, blueberries, strawberries. Grapes are pretty high in sugar, so I try to stay away from them. But again, everybody's different. You know what makes you happy? I do genetic testing on my patients for the weight loss program. In there, I can see those are the, what are the people that are, have something called disinhibition. No matter what I tell them, they're going to do something different. Or a food desire. They're going to go across town to get that food. I know that, so I'm going to include that in their food plan as well. That's good. That's good. Absolutely. So you know some inside information on people through their genetics. Well, they, then I tell them too, of course. <laughs> exactly. Now, how about supplements? What are some top supplements that can help a woman as she goes through this menopausal transition? Sure. Um, the things that are probably most helpful for many people is black cohosh, dong quai. Mm-hmm. Any of the yams are really helpful as well. They, um, in particular, I use progesterone cream for women over the counter progesterone cream, but I'm also testing hormones, so I kind of know what level I need to put them on. Um, a fantastic multivitamin with 5-methyl tetrahydrofolate in it. So you're looking for 5-methyl folate in it. And then also fish oil is really important. Many of my patients I'll put on N-acetylcysteine so that I can help with estrogen metabolism because it's not so much an estrogen issue, especially when we look at breast cancer. It's more how that person metabolizes their estrogen. And I also will use a lot of uh, either DIM or indole three carbonyl, which are from the broccoli family, uh, the persistent, uh, persis- persis- anyway, you know what I mean? Brassica, yeah. Right. And, uh, the family. So um, also you can't get enough cauliflower or broccoli in there. We need to be eating about a pound a day, so it's much better to do a supplement. So everyone that's in menopause in my practice, I put on either indole three carbonyl or um, the I am dim. Yeah. Yeah, so really, really good stuff. Foundation, and there's different. You know, obviously, people have different products that work. Maca is also yeah. helpful for some people too. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to stabilize the hormones as much as you can. Mm. Um, also help yeah. the liver support detoxification. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's key. You got to get that liver really working and and metabolizing all those estrogenic chemicals that are coming in from our society that are being produced by ourselves. You know, we've got to be able to metabolize those. Now I see also some nutrient deficiencies like zinc and magnesium being really big with this. Hands down. I test all my patients for this. I always mm-hmm. look at red blood cell, magnesium. I do zinc levels um, and I do B12 levels. And I also test most of my patients for MTHFR. So I know if yeah. And deficiency. So I'm very specific with them in my practice, and that's always good because magnesium's one of the most um, diluted supplements because of all the stress that we have in our life. Yeah, for sure. And what for you when you're looking at the labs, what's kind of the ideal zone that you like to see magnesium? Let's say magnesium B12. 
Um, what do you look at as far as zinc? Are you looking at alkaline phosphatase? What are you looking at there? I'm looking at alkaline phosphatase. I'm looking at it, liver enzymes. I'm looking at the whole profile. Um, I'm interested when, you know, one of the things my patients always ask me about is, well, you know, my labs are within normal range for another doc. And it's like, no, 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 I want to see the numbers because I expect the range to be actually mid of the range, not, yeah. uh, you know, either high or on the upper low. A TSH, for example, for me is going to be two or lower, whereas other labs are going to say three or four. And that's going to tell me about optimal health. And if we look at uh, zinc, so many people are zinc deficient, also iodine deficient, because many people are using healthy salts now, which is good, but they're not getting them the additional iodine, which affects the thyroid. And my mm -hmm. patient also increases their risk of fibrocystic breast changes. As you add iodine or even Lugol solution to the breast, the fibrocystic changes go away. So as many things as you and I both know, it makes such a big difference when we start paying attention in a different way, including the diet you know, the fish oil, the vitamin D, all my patients are vitamin D deficient. I like to see about uh, my patients around 80 to have a normal range of a vitamin D level. And I use also liposomal magnesium, which makes a big difference as well because it gets absorbed much better. Um, and also helps with restless legs and other things like that, that you can't get that effect when you add magnesium in the in, you know, supplement form. Yeah. Well, this has uh, just been so such a great interview, so much great information. And I, I know the women out there that are going through menopause, I'm sure that uh, they're really thankful for this interview. And you've just provided so much high quality information. And so what are, what's some, some final words of inspiration that you have for our audience? And where can people find out more about you too, Dr. Marcel? Sure. Um, so they can go to marcelpick.com. Um, all my information is there as well as access to Women to Women Healthcare Center, which is my clinic here in Maine. Um, I guess the, the thing I want to say to women is that no matter where you are on the spectrum of health and how you feel, there's always a way for us to get you to the other side of it. And disease is, doesn't come overnight. It's been a progression. And we just sometimes need to find out the cause of the cause to figure out what we need to do to get you feeling the absolute best that you can. And it is possible. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Dr. Marcel. I just want to um, just recognize the impact you've had on natural health. Really, I mean, you've been doing this for so long and have, um, have kind of pioneered the course for, for younger people like me to come up and, uh, and get this information out. So thank you again for joining us. And for those of you that are out there listening, I just want to remind you of this and really give you hope that fasting has the ability to unlock this dormant healing potential within you. The power to heal is within you. You may be suffering, you may be struggling with your health, but the healing power lives within and fasting can unlock the dormancy, the dormant potential there. And it's safe, it's powerful, and it just might transform your life. You learned a lot in today's interview. So I really hope that, uh, that it encouraged you, inspired you to get started, even with something as simple as what I talked about, the simple fast and starting to implement that. And if you're getting a lot of value out of these interviews, I also wanna encourage you to consider owning the entire Fasting Transformation Summit for yourself. That way you can resource all these interviews, all the bonuses, the transcripts, everything that we're offering at any time for the rest of your life. And I found that during a fast or as you're getting going with a fast, listening to interviews like this can be so helpful and encouraging and just lift your spirit, break through limiting beliefs that you might have and uh, help empower you to take back control of your health. So if you consider owning it and having that for yourself, I know it'll provide value to you and we would be really, really honored and blessed. And so we'll see you on a future interview. Be blessed, everybody.
Well, that's all for this show. And I wanna thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you wanna dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.